Hey friends, this is Pastor Clay from the Canton United Methodist Church. Uh, thanks for joining us for this sermon podcast. We are dropping this sermon in your uh, podcast feed because this was our Ash Wednesday sermon. Uh, we had a service on February 14th to begin the season of Lent together, and this was the start of our Lenten sermon series, which is going to be focusing on the Psalms from the Revised Common Lectionary. Each week we will walk through a psalm and connect it to just what God is up to and what God is doing and how God is working in the midst of our Lenten journey of this time where we are preparing our hearts, when we are cleansing our hearts, really, uh, for the coming of Christ and for the coming of the resurrection. And now let's give our attention to God's Word and this message from Ash Wednesday. And let us hear together from Psalm 51, the uh, Good News Translation. Be merciful to me, O God, because of your constant love. Because of your great mercy, wipe away my sins. Wash away all my evil and make me clean from my sin. I recognize my faults. I am always conscious of my sins. I have sinned against you, only against you, and done what you consider evil. So you are right in judging me. You are justified in condemning me. I have been evil from the day I was born. From the time that I was conceived, I have been sinful. Sincerity and truth are what you require. Fill my mind with your wisdom. Remove my sin and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be brighter than snow. Let me hear the sounds of joy and gladness. And though you have crushed me and broken me, I will be happy once again. Close your eyes to my sins and wipe out all my evil. Create a pure heart in me, O God, and put a new and loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Give me again the joy that comes from your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach sinners your commands and they will turn back to you. Spare my life, O God, and save me and I will gladly proclaim your righteousness. Help me to speak, O Lord, and I will praise you. You do not want sacrifices or I would offer them. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. My sacrifice is a humble spirit, O God. You will not reject a humble and repentant heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. So I want to know if this experience has ever happened to you. Have you ever had plate envy at a restaurant? If you don't know what I mean, here's what I'm talking about. You are out with someone, maybe even someone special, since you know it is Valentine's Day after all. And you've both ordered food and you feel confident about your choice. You feel good about your choice. You've ordered what you wanted. At least you think you've ordered what you wanted. Until the moment of truth comes and your plates arrive at the table and you look over at your dining partner's plate and it has suddenly become the most amazing thing you could have ever fathomed. And you are no longer satisfied with what you thought you wanted, and you just want their plate instead. All of a sudden, you become more envious of their plate than you've ever been of anything in your life. 
But there you are with your longing eyes and your hungry stomach looking at your dry, overcooked, overseasoned fish fillet while watching your wife eat an omelet that looks like it was crafted by the hands of God himself. Why, yes, that did happen a few weeks ago. Why would you ask that question? Okay, maybe the omelet wasn't that great, but maybe it was the plate envy speaking. By the time we meet David in Psalm 51, our scripture for this evening, he had made a choice that has led him to an entirely different kind of envy. But it's envy all the same. He has made a decision and he is not quite ready to deal with the consequences of his action. Because Psalm 51 was written as as David's reaction to his infidelity with Bathsheba and his ruthless betrayal of Bathsheba's husband Uriah. This psalm happens just after all of this underhanded behavior has been brought to light by his friend and his advisor, a prophet named Nathan. David had made this decision, and what we read in 2 Samuel is that Nathan tells him a story that sounds shockingly similar to the situation that David finds himself in. This is enough for David to realize that Nathan knows. Even before Nathan makes it plain that the story he was telling was about David and then pronounces the consequences that David would face because of his sin. Nathan assures David that he will not die because of the sin that he committed. But life is about to get a whole life a whole lot harder, which it does. And this is where David becomes envious. And he's not really envious for someone else's plate. He's not envious for someone else's omelet. He is longing for someone else's life. A life that is going to be easier. And really, he's only envious for his own life, but just before. Before he made these decisions, before he made the decision to throw everything that was good in his life away for the physical intimacy of another man's wife. He wants his life back before this shame forced him to become an accessory to murder. He wants his own life before he stopped at nothing to do whatever he wanted and then to cover up his bad dealings while trying to also not face any consequences whatsoever. He wants to take it all back in some way. He wants to go back to being this faithful shepherd, watching his father's flock. He wants to go back to that moment when he is anointed by Samuel to become the next king. He wants to go back to this place where he's rising to power with God's blessing. He wants to go back before it all started and do it differently. He's envious for someone else's life. He's envious for his own life. But what could he do? He could not just ask someone to change places with him. 
He cannot just ask his server to get him something else off of the menu. Off of the menu, he could not even just demand to speak to a manager. What he decided to do was what he had done in several other instances. He decided to write. He decided to pray. He decided to wrestle with the nature of God and his own experiences and what all of this means. He decides to turn to God with words that have become so intrinsically knit into the fabric of Ash Wednesday. And not just when Ash Wednesday coincides with Valentine's Day. This is the text for Ash Wednesday every year. He cries to God to give him a clean heart. Did you catch that? He cries to God in order that he may have a clean heart. And David makes this plea to God because he realizes that he wants something that he cannot accomplish for himself. This man of unknown stature, this man of unlimited power, this man who just speaks words and things happen. He knows that he cannot do this for himself. He cannot himself make a clean heart. So he turns to God. Friends, the ashen cross that will mark our foreheads this Ash Wednesday stands in a stark contrast to the imagery of a heart that is clean and open to God's love, open to God's mercy, open to God's compassion. And as we receive this mark tonight, we are reminded of our own humanness, of how we, like David, mess things up. How we, like David, do things that grieve God's heart. And we, like David, come to a realization of our dependence upon God's loving mercy. We hear David's word, we hear David's plea, and we have to admit that we get it. That we also crave what David was craving. Even if our own sin does not match David's, or even if the sins that we carry are, are some kind of strange version of plate envy for what David was facing, we get it. Tonight, on this Ash Wednesday, we admit our sinfulness, we acknowledge our shortcomings, and we confront the full reality of our humanity. We are dust. And to dust we shall return. And in our acknowledging, we join our voices with David and we cry for a clean heart. But as with David, we recognize that a clean heart is not something that we can do on our own. It is not something we can accomplish by our sheer force of will or our cunning or our wisdom. It is only in God's forgiveness that is made fully known to us in Jesus Christ that we can accomplish having a clean heart, a contrite spirit, a heart that yearns after God alone. But the good news is that it can be done. 
That's kind of the whole point of tonight, and that's kind of the whole point of this Lenten season. A clean heart is possible. And not only possible, but it is the very promise of God as we more fully trust in Him and as we more fully and truthfully and faithfully worship. As we open our lips and proclaim God's praises, as we bring a genuine sacrifice of a broken spirit before God. The good news of this night is that Bathsheba and Uriah and Nathan are not the end of David's story. They are a fundamental part of David's story, but they are not his whole story. Because David offered himself fully and unabashedly, God gave him what he was asking for, which was a clean heart, a fresh start. And while still dealing with the consequences of his actions, David used that clean heart to become one of the most important kings in Israel's history. Through David's leadership, God's people came to fully inhabit the promised land. Through David's leadership, God's people established them as a form, themselves as a formal nation. They built an economy, they built the temple, and they lived in relative peace and unprecedented faithfulness to God's law and God's way. The sin you are wrestling with tonight and the ashen cross on your forehead are not the end of your story either. As we come to God tonight, God meets us. God ministers to us. And God invites us into this Lenten journey that will lead us beyond our present circumstances and lead us towards a new hope found in the resurrection of Jesus. But in the meantime, we are on this journey of becoming. We are on this journey of allowing God to work within us to give us that which we have asked for, a clean heart and a renewed spirit so that we can trade our envy for the contentment that is found in walking closely with God. May you come tonight to the ashes and may you go forth in the strength of this night together into the Lenten season, earnestly seeking what only God can provide, a clean heart. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for who you are. We give you thanks for just the way you work in the midst of our false starts and our, our good intentions and those times when good intentions lead to, you know, complacency and bad choices. We give you thanks for this night where we can come before you and one another and acknowledge our sinfulness, acknowledge our brokenness and be held, be met, and be reformed into the people that you're asking us to be. Be with us as we confess our sinfulness. Be with us as we feel our brokenness. Be with us as we hear this reminder of our mortality. And use us 
David came to you with a broken spirit, with an open heart, and you used him to become one of the mightiest people in, in your story of salvation. What is it that you want to do with us tonight, O oh God? Make your way plain to us in your great love. Amen. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.